Inverse Genius Episode 8, Pokemon Battle Friends. In this episode, Don takes a look at Pokemon Go. Like all podcasts in the Inverse Genius brand, it is sponsored almost entirely by our fantastic Patreons at patreon.com slash obg. You can head over there and show us some support. Thanks. So welcome to the Inverse Genius Podcast, a podcast where we get to talk about whatever it is we feel like talking about. I'm Donald Dennis, and you can also hear me in the Games and Schools and Libraries and the On Board Games Podcast, so just wander over to InverseGenius.com and check us out. I am here today with a couple of my friends who are all into the Pokemon stuff. First, I'm going to introduce uh, Stephanie Fry. Hi! Who you can also hear on the Games and Schools and Libraries Podcast. Uh, so, Stephanie, you, you like games and creature games of all types, right? Oh, I love games and creature games of all types, especially Pokemon. And I'm here with Ian Sovine, whose name I may have pronounced correctly, uh, against all trends. Uh, so, Ian, say hi. Hi. There you go. All right. Uh, it's going to be one of those days. Um, all right, so today we are going to be talking about all of the games where People wander around and capture or dig up or find animals and then make them battle on their behalf. And, and there's several kinds of these games. Uh, there's ones where that's all you do is you, you go grab them and you train them up and you have them fight. But there are also ones where you sort of make them you, breeding games where you're having them turn into other things. So uh, how long have you been playing these kinds of games, guys? Probably since... Whenever the uh, the little Digimon devices came out, that's probably about when. Yeah, uh, the Tamagotchi started in 1996. Yeah, about 1996 then. So did you carry around a little pocket creature that you, you had to play with and feed and clean out its cage and that kind of stuff? Yeah, I started with Digimon, and I actually used to wear my device like a necklace and take it with me everywhere I went. And so it was an excellent distracting tool for your parents. Like, we are going on a trip, or we are going to the dentist, or what have you. And you had this device to keep you occupied. Oh, yes. Very much so. It was really interesting, too, because you'd have to feed it, you'd have to train it, and you would actually also have to clean its poo. So it was just like having a pet without all the cuddles. Exactly. I don't know. I cuddled it, even though it was a tiny little handheld device. Plastic cube. Well, so still better than fish and birds, I guess. Yeah. Or poisonous spiders. All right. Um, so, Ian, how long have you been in? What's your first memory of the fad? Um, I think my first memory goes back to probably first grade, maybe. Um, <clears throat> I, it was the big thing. Everyone was into Pokemon uh, because Pokemon Fire Red and Leaf Green had just come out. And everyone was obsessed with it. Everyone wanted one. And I, I went to my mom and I was like, Mom, I need to get this game. And she was like, okay, we'll go get it for you. And so we went to buy it. And from that moment on, I was hooked on it. And I just brought Pokemon with me every single place I went. But I never got into the other ones. Like, I think I had one Tamagotchi. 
that I immediately let die like four months later because I just stopped caring about it. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, it, it's, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, either, either you get it or you're like, oh, that was a neat deal. And then years later, you're overwhelmed by guilt as you find its little plastic carcass in the back of a drawer somewhere. Yeah. Oh, no. But I think I got more into Pokemon as a universe and as a concept than I actually did into uh, battling and training things because... With my Pokemon, I cared more about how cool the Pokemon were than I did actually making them better and fighting them. Now, when you say how cool they were, you mean like how cool they looked or how nice they were or just what? What's, um, what's the appeal here? Just how cool they looked and how um, each of them, according to the show and the mythos and all that, all had kind of different personalities. And sometimes I would just like imprint personalities on them from my own imagination because I had a sad childhood and had to make my own fun. Well, oh, that's every kid. Yeah, every kid does have moments where they have to make their own fun. Yeah, um, but that was more my thing. It was less about um. It was less about the actual battling and training aspect, right? All right, and so my first memory is really of the Monster Rancher games, which I mean I'd heard of Pokemon, but it had only come out a few months earlier. And with Monster Rancher, you had uh, you were playing on your video game machine like I think it was the PlayStation original, and you used CDs to find other games, so if, or I mean other monsters. So when you're wandering around exploring or when you're in the lab, you can find monsters or special, special things, but also you could go through your CD collection and put those in the machine when you're at wherever the lab is and get new creatures that way. And then you did breeding, so it's like, oh, I have this old, uh, Swayzo and this old golem, and we are going to slam them together and create a new creature out of them. So it taught really basic uh, genetic breeding sort of stuff, which was kind of cool. Right, but I guess the real question is, why does this matter now? And it is because, of course, the big Pokemon Go f craze, the big fad that has swept, well, the world at this point, it is so impactful that we had a parent come in saying that his, how many year old three-year-old child came into the room oh that's right so his son was playing really quietly somewhere and then just suddenly was in absolute tears and he asked him hey buddy what's wrong and he just goes eh, i want to be a pokemon master and yes so you have the youngest of the young who are so 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 excited about this and then you also have, well, older people who are in their um, 40s who are remembering back to when the games first came out. And they are, they are sort of mentally bonded to the IP. So you've got just such a wide variety of ages who are excited about it, who are out doing Pokemon stuff. And what kind of Pokemon stuff are they doing? They're doing all kinds of crazy Pokemon stuff. Actually, it's kind of funny hopping on the thing you were saying. Uh, there was a lady who must have been like 70 or 80 who came to that Pokemon day we ran and wanted to know how to play. Yeah, so uh, in fact, a lot of people are doing Pokemon events. At our library, we held a full day of activities, including a couple of, you know, adventuring and leaving the library and going to the local Poke Gym, uh, Pokemon crafts. Tell them about the crafts. Oh, so one of the crafts we ran was we got a bunch of ping pong balls and some Sharpies, and we made some Pokeballs. Yep, because you can get the like the 12-pack of Sharpies that have all the variety of colors in them. Oh, yeah. And the kids really seem to enjoy that. 
Uh, the Crayola markers, not so good for it. No. But anyway, so that was neat. We also did paper crafts where we found the most basic of the Pikachus and let them cut out and make their own uh, versions of them. It's the cute little boxy Pikachus, but some of them actually seem to be getting kind of deeper into the more complicated ones. Right. We now have a whole little herd of paper craft Pokemon that are around the library and scattered in and amongst our displays. Uh, I created, I've got this really cool foam cutter circle cutter. So we made some Pokeballs that are about four or five inches across that we've decorated the rooms with. And oh, one of the other crafts that we did was making little keychain or book bag tag kinds of things that look like Pokemon balls out of beads. Those are so cute. So lots of stuff that we did here. And then I created a game with the help of Stephanie and Ian. A live scale, you're wandering around the room, you're throwing, uh, well, I guess they're ball pit balls into giant five-gallon buckets to try and capture the Pokemon that's represented by that bucket. And then afterwards, they did battle. And it was glorious. So oh, that looked amazing. The kids were very excited about it. And they said, hey, we need to do this every weekend. Hey! Which isn't probably going to happen. But since this isn't the Games and Schools and Libraries podcast, let's let's branch off from besides the fact that all the libraries are doing everything that they can to suck people in and realize that most libraries are Pokestops or gyms. But uh, what else? Uh, t- tell people what Pokemon Go is, really. Okay, so Pokemon Go is a augmented reality game where you run around catching Pokemon in real life, and it's got some pretty neat functions, like it's got an... Uh, so it uses your camera on your cell phone to show you your current location and whatever Pokemon is hiding out. And it was funny because one day, for example, one of the kids goes, Sir, there's a Magikarp on your baby. And... That was me. Yeah, that was you, actually. And, and the guy pulls out his phone, checks his Pokemon Go, and sure enough, there is a Magikarp flopping around on his baby. Um, so it's kind of neat because... Pokemon will spawn in real places, and so if you run over to that place and you bring a friend, you can both catch those Pokemon, and so you're trying to catch more and more Pokemon of the same type to evolve them into the higher versions and that kind of stuff, and it's a really fun game because you can also battle them and join teams. And Now, when you say battle them, how, how, what do you mean? Because, I mean, we have a bunch of folks with Pokemon who show up here in the library but they don't battle. No, they don't battle. So when I say battle them, currently the only way you can battle is uh, with the different team's gems. So there are three different teams, um, and you can claim locations that are gems for your team. And if it is the, if it's a color that you're not, then you can fight and try to take over the gym for your team. And you get certain benefits from this, like if you can hold the gem and stuff, you can claim some Stardust to help power up your Pokemon and some coins for the sort of in-game shop. Um, and you can actually, if it's the same team as you, you can still battle it, but you'll only be using one Pokemon. And what you're doing is you're strengthening the gym. Nice. All right, so it is a free-to-play game. It is not pay-to-win because there's not a winner kind of thing. However, you can spend lots of money on it. I think that I saw that uh, a Olympic athlete down at the Olympics has run up a bill of over five thousand uh, dollars, and I don't know if it's a data bill or if it I was think it was a data bill actually. 
Yeah, yeah, probably because even though it's not that intense data wise for what you would think, because so much of it's processed down your phone. Um, still, well, if uh, you're if you're international, yeah. it, you can ring up quite a big bill. So that's Pokemon Go. It, people are out walking around doing a whole lot more. But let, let's talk more about sort of the history of it. Uh, what was your favorite property that you sort of engaged with that that isn't Pokemon that sort of involves this mythos of hey, you've got monsters who you're going to make beat each other up on your behalf. Oh, my God, there are so many. Um, Because I super love these kinds of games. Um, I remember a really old one I loved as a kid was called Dragon Seed. Ooh, yes. Yes, and you would... It's been a while, but you would, like, gather these eggs, and they would turn into these dragons. And it had the same kind of thing where certain elements were stronger against different elements. And one of the really crazy parts about it is, like, they age, and they can eventually actually die. And that kind of tripped me out as a kid. Because I was like, no! Uh, yeah, And actually, when we were talking about the virtual pets thing, it started off where you just had your little... Tamagotchi in its own egg, right? But you could connect them when they got. I don't know whether it was. Yes, a you could or connect them. Digimon, you, you could connect too. Yeah, uh, you could attach them to each other and they could play with the other creatures. Yes. Or, like in Digimon, they battled. Ooh. Yeah, it was really neat. What were the stakes here? When you, when you set your creatures to battling somebody else's, what were the stakes? I think the stakes were just that your creature would get stronger, or I think it was also the, like, oh, my creature's stronger than yours. I beat you. Ha-ha. Nice. So. Okay. Well, Ian, what about you? What was your favorite non-Pokemon creature battling game? Um, I feel upset because I can't remember this, the game's title. It was, uh, it was a game where, because I was obsessed with dinosaurs when I was a kid, it was a game for the Nintendo DS where you would find fossils. Fossil Hunter? It was not Fossil Fossil Fighter. It was not, I don't think it was Fossil Fighter either because we looked those up and those weren't it. It was a game where you went out and you found fossils and they were real fossils of real dinosaurs and then you would bring them back and then you would have to use those to kind of fight giant, like, monsters of different varieties. It was very... It was very complex, and I absolutely loved it because I was so obsessed with dinosaurs. Um, but for that kind of battling thing, I got super into the card games for a while, and uh, the Pokemon card game and the Yu-Gi-Oh card game were big parts of my childhood because I just loved the idea of collecting cards, and everyone had different sets of cards, and you were able to battle each other, and it was still that kind of idea of collecting things and then battling them. And that was kind of the more battle-centric thing that I got involved in. And that's a great point, is that we've primarily been talking digital, whether it's portable digital devices or video games, but this kind of activity has spread out well beyond where you require digital stuff because there is the card games that you can play. There's the TV shows because have you know there's lots of Pokemon shows. There was a Monster <laughs> Rancher cartoon. There's uh, you know Digimon. Digimon. There's card games of of all types. And actually, I think you know we didn't even mention this when we were researching, but I I bet the Digimon had an impact as to why the Transformers had the dinosaurs. There's, there's just, it's this large, large thing in there, even ones where you have the little plastic balls and you throw them on the magnetic cards and they pop open uh, Bakugan. Bakugan. Uh, and 
a buddy of mine, Matt Forbeck, designed the Monster Rancher card game, and there's the Pokemon card game, which is still popular. It's kind of surprising. Yeah. And, and you'll hear uh, Eric Summer over on the Dice Tower podcast talk about how it sort of uh, helped he and his wife bond and is one of the things that have you know either uh, greatly influenced his gaming profile and gaming life. So what else? Where else have you seen this kind of activity besides just in our video games? We'll get back to our video games, I'm sure. I remember like a period where me and my friend would collect Legos and there was a thing at school where we would collect Legos and try and make the best kind of creations and then battle those Legos as if they were kind of like the collectible card Pokemon and then whoever won took your Legos. And so I had no more Legos at the end of my first grade year. So were they... Uh, were you battling individual Legos or creatures you created out of Legos? Um, we were battling kind of the Lego people, and what we did with regular Legos was kind of create weapons or, like, ships or mobi- mobiles that could be, like, used in battle with each other. And that was kind of our wanting to create something more than had been presented to us with the card games and stuff like that. All right, so it's pretty obvious that we've all had a lot of uh, excitement with these kinds of games. Uh, now, in some of them, you do other things besides just fighting, right? So it's not just about capturing your creatures and, and then beating each other up or beating up the gems and whatnot. Uh, do you think that what is the most important part of the game, of these kinds of games or these kinds of stories? Is it the relationship between the person and their pet battling monster or is it you know getting better i mean where where does where does the sweet spots fall fall here i don't know i think it depends because i feel like every different type of these picks its own sort of sweet spots like for example i feel like digimon it's all about your relationship with your creature pokemon it's all about collecting them all and using what you get to battle to be the very best um oh yeah and actually uh one of our friends popped by earlier and mentioned that the big difference between Digimon and Pokemon was that, you know, the Pokemon people just sit back and watch, and the, the Digimon masters will actually beat each other up, too. Yeah. Do you, is that a big deal? Do you think that's a philosophical difference, or is that not a real thing? I think that's just kind of the way the mechanics worked. Um, for instance, Yu-Gi-Oh! kind of worked more like uh, Magic the Gathering, where part of the game was to bring down your opponent's health from 4,000 to zero. Right, but in that, you don't develop a, any kind of personal relationship with your, with your I don't monsters. Know. You got that like spiritual, I made this deck kind of collecting deal going on. Weak, weak. It's weak, but they did it all the time in that show. Like, Yugi's always obsessing over his, like, what was it? Dark Magician. I think it was just Dark Magician. It was. Yeah, it was Dark Magician. And he's like, I feel like I have a spiritual connection to this one card, which is why it's my favorite card, so. The the thing about Yu-Gi-Oh! that was different, though, was that the card game came out before the anime, which is the reverse for Pokemon which kind of meant there was a difference in how things were made. So in Yu-Gi-Oh, it's literally the card that you're doing it with instead of the actual monster itself. Hmm. So have either one of you, did you play Jade Cocoon? 
No, I did not play Jade Cocoon, but it was always on my, like, I would like to. So that's a really neat one. You're playing uh, a character who goes out and captures these bug-like insects and then sort of purifies them by playing on your magical flute to try and then get them to do your bidding. Oh, that uh, sounds awesome. But because, yeah, but because they were less warm and fuzzy kind of creatures, it was more about the, you know, nature, magic, and and purifying things Then I felt like you didn't get the personal connection like you did in, say, you know, a Monster Rancher or a Pokemon where, yeah, your characters have personality. Ah, uh, yeah. In such the same way. And so you get really attached and that kind of stuff. I can see that. So what other kinds of, of this? I mean, you brought up Yu-Gi-Oh, which is an interesting thing, but I think it's a completely different category of game. But it's certainly influenced by by what we're talking about. Oh, definitely, because there's the collecting and the battling, and it is all about the monsters and that kind of stuff. Not to mention, in Yu-Gi-Oh, you do visually like see them come out of the cards. So, Right. Uh, so one of the ones that I, th- I felt sort of was influenced by all of this, but obviously not the same classification of capturing creatures to do your bidding, but Black and White was a, uh, a game where you uh, had your pet and you were the god and you were basically sending it down to Earth to you know, torment or help the peasants to build a civilization while you overcame a bunch of challenges and and this creature would evolve depending on if you did good things or bad things, it would turn evil looking or, or be a nice friendly cow as opposed to the angry flaming bull of death. Ooh. Uh, and then it seems like pets are everywhere now. And even in world of Warcraft, you can collect pets and then have them fight. You can actually do that in uh, the secret world now too, sort of, they don't fight against each other that I've seen, but you can have these pets that will basically give you special benefits and boosts and all that. So I think it would be neat if this type of, hey, you've got a secondary source of interaction that is a little personal to your character, that if they had other stuff to do besides fighting, because I really think that if you step back and you look at it, it's morally reprehensible almost across the board. You're, you know, cockfighting with these imaginary creatures so obviously it's not you know you actually doing bad things uh, and in some of them like in monster rancher the real point is the adventuring and the weird genetic experience the mad science kind of there but with you know pokemon you're you want to be the best you want to collect them all a a full race or catch them all right you got to catch them all yeah and and bend them to your will and force them into their little balls and and make them beat each other up for you which i think is you know just kind of atrocious. Yeah, it really is. There's all kinds of crazy, dark stuff going on with Pokemon, though, which is kind of fun. Right. I mean, that certainly adds to the story. Uh, in the new games, uh, they kind of acknowledge that what they're doing is terrible because the bad guys are a parody of PETA in the newer games whose evil intentions are to make, make Pokemon not fight anymore. That's their evil plan. Wait, so the new Team Rocket is the anti-fighting as opposed to the best fighters? Yeah, it's Team Plasma now, and it's it really doesn't hold up well to scrutiny from what I've seen. <laughs> it's, huh? We want to discon- you know, deconstruct your society and keep... Uh, that's, well, that's just weird. Now, of course, I, I hadn't watched much of the Pokemon cartoon, but I thought 
that since we were doing the events here and it's now all that popular, I've watched the first few episodes and they had grabbed a bunch of Pikachus and made them act as a emergency backup power source. Oh yeah. Uh, and you know, I haven't seen anything in the world, any animals in the world that aren't semi sentient Pokemon. I think that's because they are all Pokemon. So if you're not a vegetarian in Pokemon world and make, in fact, even if you are, because there's a lot of, you know, grass types, which I guess means they're really vegetables or something, that you're eating sentient things. And that also strikes me as being terrifying on many levels. Oh, yeah. You do have, though, non-sentient plants. There's at least that. So I imagine there are non-sentient vegetables in the Pokemon world. But I don't imagine they taste as good. Well, oh, anyway, that's a different conversation. There is, there is though, just as one little tidbit... There is somewhere in, like, the archives where you can find history on the Pokemon world. And I believe you can find where they will be, like, they will discuss how, like, people in a certain region subsisted off of the fish Pokemon. And how, at some point, humans did eat Pokemon at some point in history. I'm pretty sure they still do, because remember... What was it? There was a Team Rocket scheme in one of the games where they were cutting off slowpoke tails and eating those. Oh, And yeah. selling those. Remember that? That, that was a thing. So. What, what's a slowpoke? It's, it's the cute, like, pink one. And the reason it's so atrocious is they just can't really get away because they're so slow and sluggish. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't look like slugs. They're like this cute little quadruped like pink creature they're they're really dopey looking their eyes go off in two different directions it's the most adorable thing ever however they are the only they are one of two pokemon who ever who are for one thing not legendary and are capable of speech because their evolved form slow king is actually able to speak and communicate with humans which other than meowth of team rocket None of the other ones are able to do that. Is that every Slowking, or is that just the one from the movie? I think it's every Slowking, because I think there's only one Slowking, because there's only one set of King Jewels. Oh. Huh. Hmm. Well, and so it is kind of interesting how, as, as often as I try and drag us away from the actual Pokemon, we keep getting pulled back into the topic. But I'm going to try one more time. Uh, so, one of you mentioned Spectrobes. Spectrobes, yes, that was really fun. Um, so the premise of that one was you basically find these fossils and you dig out the creatures and then you run around with them and have them battle for you and the world's at stake and that kind of thing. Yeah, but one of you is the monster, right? Uh, if you can actually player. play two-player, and yes, one of you is the monster, which is really neat. Um, the other kind of neat thing is it is kind of a real-time deal. So there's none of the turn waiting that Pokemon has. Oh, we hate the waiting in line, right? We yeah, pretty much. And then the other one was Persona. Oh, my God, I love Persona. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so in Persona, what I really enjoy about Persona is it's kind of a great way to learn mythology because to a certain extent, you're trying to collect them all Kind of like Pokemon, but they're all, like, mythological figures and stuff. So maybe you'll catch, like, the fire god Agni or that kind of stuff. Um, and 
It's interesting because, like, the series with all the monsters is called Shin Megami Tensei, but it's got, like, different divisions. And so in the Persona set of stuff, there's also, like, a high school simulator kind of thing going on. And your friendships with certain characters will power up certain types of monsters. Huh. Yeah. Well, that that's a thing, I suppose. Yep. Um. What else is kind of interesting about that? Remember how we talked about trainers fighting and that kind of deal? Yeah. You do fight in that. So it's not just the monsters. It's just you also get the aid from the monsters as well. Huh. Yeah. It's very... I love those series. So. So. You would like the Persona series. Probably would like the Persona series. Probably would. Do you think that uh, games like, oh, what's the one that uh, Nintendo had? Oh, Farm? No. Harvest Moon? Okay. Well, and I was thinking before that. Um, it was a Nintendo on Nintendo only game where you were talking to the animals and wandering around and Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing. Yeah. So, so do you think that Animal Crossing is is a game that wouldn't have existed without this genre of games? I don't think so, because with Animal Crossing, it's not really a collection game, and it's not really anything like that kind of genre where you're trying to collect things and then fight them. What you're actually trying to do in... Why are you giving me that I'm look? I'm giving you that look because <laughs> Animal Crossing has so many collection things in it. it trying does, to collect all the furniture, the bugs, the fish. Okay, allow me to rephrase that. You're not trying to collect all of the creatures. It's Aren't mo- you, though? <laughs> it's more of a... Let me finish my point. It's more of a city-building game than anything. I think that it's more related to a SimCity or something like that than it would be to Pokemon. Because you're trying to make your town the most attractive, so more people will move into it. But at the same time, I could totally see it, like, having... Well, me and my sister played this game, and every now and then we go, Oh, we really want this one guy to move out so we can get this other guy and collect these other different people. So, I mean... (laughs) For some people, there are some collecting the creature things going on. So, I I would... Let's sum up a little bit here uh, that I think that Pokemon and games of this ilk have sort of infused everything. A whole bunch of games have pets that'll be fighting for you now, even if you're not trying to collect them all. Like in Diablo, some of the uh, you know necromancer will summon spiders and throw them at people, and in you know Warcraft and or World of Warcraft and even EverQuest, you would have the different people who had pets that they'd wander around with to help you do battle. That whether or not it was first caused by, you know, the Tamagotchi sort of things or Pokemon or who knows what, that this just sort of seems to be something that is in with us. And I think one of the reasons it became so popular in Japan is because they really don't have room for real pets. Yeah, I could see that. What, what kind of thing would you like to see with these kinds of games? These kinds of games? Um, I actually really love some of what I've been seeing kind of coming up in, like, the Pokemon games and stuff for the DSs and all that. Um, like, so when Pokemon Yellow came out, it was a huge big deal because your Pikachu would follow behind you. And so that's been happening in some of the games. It's, like... It really doesn't affect gameplay, but there's something about having a little creature that's yours, like, following behind you that's 
kind of a big bonding sort of thing. Right, right. Um, Not having to live in its little genie lamp. Right. It gets to come out and, like, follow behind you. Um, And the other interesting thing that I've been seeing from the new Pokemon games is actually getting to ride some of your Pokemon and that kind of stuff. That seems somewhat unnatural. Uh, Ian, how about yourself? Um, What I would like to see with these games coming up in the future would be kind of bringing back the interaction aspect of it because I remember in school, the Pokemon games, even the video games, were a huge bonding moment for us where we would all just get around and battle each other and trade Pokemon. And it was just a way to connect with friends and meet new people because if a kid like didn't know anyone and had just moved in, you could be like, come play Pokemon with us. And then he was part of your group for life. Um, <laughs> and so... It's like the mafia. Team Instinct represent. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole thing with it that I would like to see is maybe bringing it back to where people can interact with each other, um, like with the trading and battling aspect that they said they were going to add with uh, Pokemon Go. I would love to see that done on a local level so that kids could fight each other in real time and be able to bond over this. Nice. I, I've got two things that I would really like, and one of them is other activities besides just fighting. So it, maybe if you had other puzzles that your pets would help you do and you could create potions maybe to help people fight or other challenges that, that folks you know, could do while playing the game. And then the other is sort of that Monster Rancher reasons to explore the world. So it could be uh, barcodes, scan in barcodes from items and you'll potentially get new things or uh, you know, go to your local library and go through some of the books there and, and find other creatures. Just something to, to help build a sense of exploration where the physical area matters more than just your location, which is what we have now with Pokemon Go. The fact that you're out in the world is a brilliant thing and I, and I like the heck out of it. But you know, I could see libraries having just their own game where you know you go in you check out books and you you get pets basically on who you've checked out books from or what kind of you know whatever i don't know but something that that pulls you into you know doing more more exploration besides just being at a place well i guess like also interacting with that space yes exactly so i mean it could be even something like a qr code that you scan don't think that's the best solution because people can take pictures of them put them on the internet blah, blah, blah. But, you know, something that that sort of pulls in a real exploration, you know, maybe even you have to get somewhere and do a puzzle and then it unlocks something. I don't know. But that that's it. So that's it for me and and the, you know, Monster Buddy games. And uh, any final words? Who's your favorite monster in all the Monster Buddy games? Eevee. Eevee, of course. Ian? Blastoise. Blastoise? Blastoise. Okay, um, mine is probably uh, one of the guys from the Monster Rancher. I like the one that you, you scan the Billy Joel, one of the Billy Joel discs, and there's a monkey that shows up or a gorilla that you get that is dressed like Billy Joel. And I think that's probably my favorite uh, because they did a lot of customized ones based off of specific albums or other games by the Tecmo company or whatnot that were... You know, hey, you had this game and you scanned it, so you get a special bonus magical thing. Yay. But so that's it. All right. Thank you for listening to the Inverse Genius Podcast. I'm Donald Dennis. And I'm Stephanie Fry. And I'm Team Blue. Yes. Whose name happens to be? (laughs) Ian Sovine. He's the lonely Team Blue here within about three miles of us. And uh, 
if you have any other interests in podcasts, go over to inversegenius.com and check out our big lists of shows, which include onboard games, on RPGs, the Games and Schools and Libraries podcast, and we also host the Room Escape Diva. So if you're into escape rooms, check that out. And uh, thank you for listening. That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 license. Thank you.